The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and video teachings, visit mountainpark.org. It's very important for us that church does not get uh, boring. Uh, Because we believe, this is really profound, you might want to write this down, boring is boring. Really, seriously, uh, uh, I nailed that one. But, uh, but there's something about uh, a church that can sometimes be boring. I remember as a kid, uh, I knew how many stones were on the wall in behind the stage of the church I grew up in, 273 uh, p- uh, stone pieces in behind there. And uh, I also knew the number of um, uh, wood panels in the ceiling. I had to find something to do uh, during church time. So I'm wondering how many of you know how many glass blocks there are here in the church. Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 30. Okay. Whatever. So yeah. All right. I'm watching you. but there's, there's something, it was in church during moments like this, that's where I learned how to sleep while looking like I'm praying. It's a skill, it really is, because you do this, and you, kinda, you gotta cover the eyes, because the eyes you know, tell everything, but you gotta kinda move a little bit to make it look like, then if somebody says something to you, just say, amen. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you just kinda, okay, it's a skill, it's a skill that maybe some of you have learned, and I'm, again, I'm watching, I'm watching. <laughs> Uh, a few years back, there was somebody in this area here who fell asleep during service, and I walked down and I and I said, "Hey!" and uh, and uh, woke her up. It was a lot of fun uh, in that moment. There, could you imagine if I did that to you? If you're you, maybe you work late, late the night before, or whatever, and you have your reasons, and I came up and wait, you know, embarrassed you in the middle of church in front of everybody. Wouldn't that be awful? Wouldn't that be terrible? Well, I don't know how uh, uh, that went for her because I haven't I haven't seen her since. But but. <laughs> There's something about church. We all kind of understand that church can be a little bit uh, boring, and maybe it has to do with the presentation and what's kind of being, uh, what's coming this way. Maybe it has to do with, with your attentiveness on the receiver end. Maybe it has to do with both sides. But um, church doesn't have to be boring. And um, what we're looking at today is the concept of apathy. And that sometimes church, sometimes our relationship with Christ, sometimes life in general can drift towards being apathetic. And that's not what God has for us. So that's where we're going. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, thank you that you are an exciting God. You are a God who brings change into our lives and sometimes that change is hard. Sometimes that hard change brings us to something glorious and beautiful. But that you are a dynamic uh, uh, God who created a a world that is beautiful and changing and and exciting around us. And so we want to enter into that. We want to enter into your story today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to give you the context for what I'm talking about here today and why I'm talking about apathy, uh, particularly if you are new or if you have uh, been around for a while, but the summer kind of burned a few brain cells and you forgot what we were doing earlier on in the year. This entire year, we're doing a year-long series called AD, which of course means Anno Domini, or the year of our Lord. And what we're doing this year is we're spending the the entire year talking about 
what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just talking about information about Jesus and, and where he was born and, 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 and what his family was, and not just the information data, but talking about what it might look like to actually have a relationship with him. And so we walk this out uh, from the beginning of the year. In January, we started with a section entitled, these are all the tabs on a binder that if you have a binder, if you have not received a binder, there are some available in the lobby. It's just kind of a capture of our journey this year. And the tabs begin with decision, with the idea that Jesus uh, said to his disciples, he initially said, follow me. And that's what he says to us, follow me. He doesn't force himself on us. He doesn't push himself into our lives. There's an invitation to say, if you want to experience the life and the fullness and the purpose that Jesus offers, then Jesus says, follow me. You get to decide. It's a decision. And then the second section was called Discover, where we looked at the character and the personality of Jesus. We imagine sitting down with him, dating him, whatever, hanging out with him. Imagine sitting with him and saying, Jesus, tell me about yourself. I'd love to learn more about you. And we looked at the... Uh, authorized biographies that we find in the Bible that are titled Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four versions of the stories of Jesus where we look at who he is through his stories. And then as we uh, went into Easter, we went into the third section which was called Wonder. That Jesus is not just about information. That Jesus has this miraculous and supernatural peace that is essential in our relationship with him. Uh, human relationships go through stages. There's naturally these stages that human relationships go through, and psychologists are going to talk through those stages. They're going to uh, vary somewhat on what those stages are, but that's what these things are. These are stages. This one here, wonder, is a little bit different from human relationships because of the supernatural aspect of having a relationship with Jesus. If our connection with him is limited to information, then it will be kind of dull. If it's just about a debate, yes, I think he said that. No, I don't think he said that. Yes, I think that actually happened. That didn't happen. If it's limited to that, those are all good uh, conversations, but if it's limited to that, then our relationship will remain impotent. Then uh, lastly, right before we launched into the summer, there was the fourth stage of the relationship that we talked about, which was conflict. And in real human relationships, there's always conflict. So if our relationship with Jesus is real, then it's reasonable to think that there would be conflict in that relationship. And that if you have conflict with Jesus because of something you believe he's done or not done, then it doesn't necessarily mean you have a weak relationship with him. Perhaps it means you have a real relationship with him. Because conflict is, is an okay thing. It can actually stir things within us to take us to an even better place. At the beginning of this journey in January, as part of the decision piece, uh, I invited you to consider being one of the 12. And, and a number of you signed this board over here to your left. And uh, the concept there is imagine that you are one of the disciples. Imagine that you have that kind of closeness to Jesus. You're not just one of the thousands up in the crowd, way up on the hill, barely able to hear him, and just kind of this sense that Jesus doesn't even know who you are or what your name is, but you are in the boat. 
You are in the upper room. Imagine that you have that kind of opportunity to have intimacy with Jesus. He can do that with each and every one of us. The concept of being one of the 12 is not about getting everything together and then saying, yep, I'm worthy of being one of the 12. That's not it at all. That's not what we see in the disciples. They were not these models of perfection in Jewish culture. And it's also not even about being a a Christian. Being a Christian means that we have a connection with Jesus and we've decided Jesus is the Lord of my life. Jesus is the Lord of my life and I'll follow him forever. That's what it means to be a Christian. What what I was saying in January is you could actually sign the board and say, I want to be one of the 12 uh, and maybe not be at the point of saying, yes, I am a Christian. Because you can come in and say, I just want to hang out with Jesus. I want to find out if he's real. I want to find out if it actually is possible to have a relationship with this guy that I've heard about my whole life who died on a cross for my sins. What might it mean if Jesus was real? He was a person with whom you can have a relationship. So today, we're launching into the next section, the next stage of this relationship, and, and we're looking at apathy. Doesn't that sound like a party? Doesn't that sound like a great way to start off the fall with excitement? Apathy. Dun, dun, dun. But it's very real. It's a very real part of relationships. We drift into these places that, um, that just kind of maybe coast or maybe they get a little dull or neutral after a while. You've got a friend that you've been with for a long time and, and sometimes that relationship is fun and you go out and you have a great time. Other times you go out and you're kinda, you kind of, you've heard all the stories, you've heard all their bad jokes and you don't want to hear them anymore and, and you're not, it's just kind of dull in that relationship and you think, I, I don't know if I want to hang out with this person anymore. There's natural, this apathy part or maybe, maybe you've experienced that a little bit in, in your marriage. We're going to talk more about that next week and as we talk about what this art of marriage concept is all about. But it could be in some of your marriages, if you've been married for a while, that you write less poetry to one another now than you did when you were dating. It could be. I'm just saying. It's possible. A little bit of sarcasm there. Uh, Shakespeare says sarcasm is the lowest form of wit. Thank you very much. Okay, it's, that's really all I got. That's really all I got is sarcasm. So anyway, it can be the same thing in a relationship with Jesus. If that relationship is real, then that, can, that relationship can drift into, be, into, uh, into a place of, of apathy. I mean, when's the last time, if you are a reader of Scripture, and you are familiar with the stories. When's the last time you read scripture, you read through the gospels and said, wow. Seriously, when's the last time you did that? You just read and you went, I can't believe Jesus would do that, would show that kind of compassion to that woman, to that person, to that man. When's the last time in worship you started tearing up just at the name of Jesus? Maybe that happened for you today, this morning different hearts or at different places, when's the last time this kind of stuff has happened? If that sounds totally foreign to you and you've been a follower for a long time, maybe you have drifted into some apathy um, characteristics in your relationship. Maybe. What happens to you when you enter into this room? 
What are your expectations? Are you just thinking about oh, all the kids in the car in the parking place and, and all that 9.30, that's crazy time. Who, who, what are they thinking and, and all that? And you're thinking about all this stuff. And, and, uh, or are you, some, do you sometimes enter and think, I want to spend time with the creator of the universe today. I want to enter in to time with the king of all kings. I mean, what happens with your heart? Can you relate at all to this concept of being apathetic? Now, I'm likely not talking to new believers. If you're a new follower of Christ, maybe you're hearing this and you're going, I don't even know what you're talking about. You're so excited about God right now, you're on your honeymoon with him, and so the whole idea of apathy is just, yeah, that's not where you're at. Fabulous. I'm talking about, for the most part, those who have been one of the 12 or a follower of Christ for a while, and maybe that journey is no longer exciting, and it has drifted into apathy. Like I said, my kids are excited about starting school uh, tomorrow, and I heard this week about a principal who gathered with students at the beginning of the year and said, um, and said and warned the students of two main dangers that can be a problem for them throughout the year. Two main dangers. And addressed this to all the students and said, ignorance and apathy. And one student was listening to this and said, said to the buddy next to him, what's ignorance and apathy? And the guy next to him said, I don't know, and I don't care. Okay. Sorry. I guess there's sarcasm and then there's whatever that was. <laughs> whatever. Sorry. Uh, I'll move on. But ignorance, ignorance is really kind of palatable. Ignorance is easy to deal with. Read a book. Go online. Ask a question. Seek wisdom. Ignorance is something that we can tackle, that we can go after. We can seek advice from people. Take a class, whatever. Apathy is a little harder to deal with. Apathy, it can be a much bigger deal. If we are living life in a, in a rut that seems to be getting deeper and bigger, it becomes so hard to pull out of that. Depression is a major epidemic in the United States. This thing of living life stuck somewhere. And I think it's very common in our relationships with Christ. And I think it's a big deal. And I don't think it's talked about very much. Yes, we're locked in. We understand who Jesus is. We know what our eternity looks like for many of us here in this room. Has that relationship drifted into something that is apathetic? We want to go after that over the next few weeks. In fact, today, we're not going to tackle that. We're not going to solve that problem. We're going to address that in different ways over the next few weeks. Today, I just want us to be honest about the reality of that issue. I just want us to be honest about whether or not that's a part of your journey with him right now. Might you be somewhat apathetic in your relationship with Christ? If so, are you willing to do something about that? If that might be how you feel, maybe you can relate to a story I want to take a look at of the disciples and one of their interactions with Jesus. I'm looking in the book of Mark. If you brought your Bibles, I invite you to turn there with me. I encourage you and invite you to bring your Bibles and uh, look at it together with us here. When you look at your own Bible and where that story is, feel free to write notes in there or whatever. It will help you engage with this amazing text that God's provided for us. So Mark is the second book in the New Testament. Matthew, 
Begins the New Testament and then Mark follows that. We're looking at chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. This story we find uh, near the end of Jesus' earthly time with his disciples. It's after three years of being with them. It's near the end of, the, of, of his earthly journey. Chapter 14, beginning in verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to, to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. This is, a, this is a big deal, what's happening here. This is the night before Jesus, this is the night that Jesus was betrayed and then crucified on the cross. Jesus had a sense of what was coming. He knew this was a big deal. He was overwhelmed with sorrow. Continuing, going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. It's an incredible verse right there, incredible words of Jesus. Here we have Jesus who is God saying to God the Father, I don't want to do this. Let this cup pass from me. I don't want to do this, but I will because it's your will for me. That's an incredible section of scripture there. He continues, verse 37. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Let me pause there for a moment. First of all, notice what Jesus calls, what name Jesus refers to Peter. He calls him Simon. And if you're familiar with the story, Simon is Peter's original name, and Jesus changes his name to Peter, which means Petra, uh, which means rock. And Jesus says to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. Here in this moment, Jesus resorts back to his original name and calls him Simon. Because when Jesus referred to him as the rock, he didn't mean sleep like a rock. Peter was not acting like the rock that Peter knew he was, knew he was capable of. And he called him Simon. And then he says, could you not keep watch for one hour? Now, I'm, I'm a guy, and I often miss tone in phrases. That's it's uh, part of the, my genetics, and so there's a phrase that's sent to me, and there's a tone that's woven in the middle of the phrase, and I can often miss that. My wife might say to me, fine, go ahead and play hockey with your friends. And I say, well, great, thanks, bye. And, and so there might be a tone like that. I might miss a tone, but it's pretty hard to miss the tone that Jesus has here in this comment to Simon Peter. Could you not keep watch for one hour? Jesus is not happy. Jesus is not happy with this situation. They've fallen asleep. He has just poured his heart out to them saying, watch and pray. And they just fell asleep. I don't think the issue here is that God gets incredibly upset 
when we fall asleep while praying. I don't think that's the issue. I've, I've done that hundreds of times. I, I, I mean, any efforts that I make to pray uh, before going to bed, that's why I often, you know, I encourage uh, myself and others to pray in the morning because when I pray at night, Lord, I just want to thank <laughs> And, I, and I'm out. I don't think that, God, that this is about God's incredibly uh, uh, being offended by when we do that. I don't think that God would speak to me in a way like this where he would say, Alan, I want you to add a third celebration at church. And then I, okay, okay. And then he continues, but don't start at 8 o'clock. That's way too early. No one will show up. I'm not even up at that time. Alan, are you listening? And then I say, what? Did you say something? He says, never mind. And then, and then I get in trouble. So I don't think that's the way the, 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 the um, uh, exchanges happen between God and us. I don't think it's about his being upset with us falling asleep. I think this has to do with us being attentive to the reality of what's happening around us. To the fact that God is inviting us in on a great, grand story. Over here, over the past few years, we've been talking about it as the whole shebang. There is a grand, epic story that God started and has laid out and has invited us to be a part of that story. There is a cosmic, supernatural battle that is going on all around us, whether we uh, believe in it or not, whether we become apathetic to it or not a battle between the indescribable love of God and the vile hatred of the enemy. And this battle is going on all around us. It's a battle for your soul. It's a battle for your heart, not only in the days to come, but in the rest of your days while here on this planet. It's a battle for the hearts of, your, of our spouses and of our kids. May we not become so familiar with it that we just kind of roll our eyes and move on. As we read about it in Scripture, it's all over Scripture. Familiarity breeds apathy. May we not become apathetic to the story that's going on around us, to the invitations, to the, the smells and the tastes of the kingdom of God that are provided all around us. May we not fall asleep during these moments when God is inviting us into something grand and epic and amazing. Jesus continues, verse 38, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So why does it matter for us not to be apathetic? I mean, this is a big deal. Drifting into a place of apathy is not a safe place. It's not a safe position to stay in. When we veer away from our pursuit of God, we will naturally drift towards things that are destructive to us and to those around us. When we veer away from who God is and our relationship with him, we naturally just drift towards either meaningless things or outright destructive things. That's just the way we naturally go. Apathy is not neutral. It's either drifting toward God or it's drifting away from God. There is no neutrality to it. And Jesus says, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. 
Maybe that's a phrase you've heard before. This is where it comes from. Your spirit is willing, but your body can't quite keep up with it. You want to stay awake, and you can't. Have you ever tried to stay awake desperately while driving and all the efforts that we do to make that happen? Perhaps you're in a hurry. Perhaps you don't want to stop and pay the money for a hotel because you're that close. Maybe the kids have finally gone to sleep and you just want to get a little bit of time on the road, yet you're tired and you don't want to be the one that we pull over for. And so you fight it. And we do crazy things in those situations. Uh, it's, not, it's not so much of an Arizona thing unless it's the wintertime, but you've got to roll down the window and ah, la, 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 take in the fresh air and try to do this. And we turn on the air conditioning so at least we're shivering and that might kind of keep us awake. Or we turn on the stereo, boom, boom, boom. who cares if it wakes the kids? We've got to stay awake because we've got to keep awake on the road. I pinch myself on my left leg. It hurts. I do it. I drive and I pinch. I go, I don't know if this is helping, but it really hurts. And uh, have you ever slapped yourself? Yeah, see? My my wife likes that because she just joins in. It's just kind of fun. Hey, let's help him keep awake. Boom, boom. I do this really weird thing where I, I, uh, and I would not recommend this because it doesn't work, but I try to get a quick blast of of closed eyelids. Just really quick blast because my eyelids want to close. There's like this, this impenetrable gravitational pull that is, that is pulling my top eyelid down. And if I just close them for two seconds powerfully, I feel like I can get somewhere. So I'm driving and I just go, it's ridiculous and it doesn't do anything. But I do it. I do it. I do it every time. I just, oh, because my eyelids are so pouring down. It's ridiculous. The spirit is willing. I mean, I want to keep driving. I want to get more road underneath me, but my body is weak. That is such a profound image of how the body wants to do something that it simply can't do. We want to stay awake, and it can't hang on. For some of you here in this room, that whole metaphor, that image, is not funny at all. Maybe you've either nearly lost someone or lost someone because of that whole reality of falling asleep at the wheel. Those who are just learning how to drive, 16, 17, this is a major deal. You can't fight it. The body is not strong enough to fight that that fatigue that is pouring over you, even though the spirit is so willing in that moment. You don't have enough in you to do it. The stakes are high when you're driving. Because if you think that the body is strong enough in, in order to handle all this and you just stay on the road, disaster could be, could be right in front of you. We all know what the right thing to do is in those situations. What's the right thing to do? Pull over. Pull over. We all know what the right thing to do is. Pull over. And I think there's this metaphor crosses over into our relationship with Christ that maybe part of the apathetic journey is that we stay on the same road. We just stay doing the same things we've always been doing. Keep on doing the same things. Keep on making the same mistakes. Keep on going and we just stay on the road and, and, and the spirit is willing. We want to grow. We want to go to a better place but the body is weak and, and so we stay on it. We stay on it and we stay on it. The stakes are high. You can't hold on to that path based on the power and the strength of your body. You got to pull over. You gotta pull over in your if if you're experiencing apathy in your relationship with Jesus, don't just stay on the road 
and try to stay awake. Pull over, take a break, try something new. Look at it differently. Blow the whole thing up and say, God, I want to start fresh. Something different. Pull over. The stakes are very high. The disciples didn't pull over. They just kept on driving. Here's how the story continues. Verse 39, one more, once more he went away and prayed the same thing. This is Jesus. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them. How many times did Jesus leave and then come back and find them falling asleep? Three times. How many times is the rooster about to crow that night? Three times. There's something about the three times. Maybe the first time is, hey, we all make mistakes. We, we all make mistakes. The second time is, God is so loving, so compassionate, so gracious. And the third time is, wake up. Wake up. What are you doing? The stakes are high. Jesus says, are you still sleeping and resting? In the NIV it says, enough with an exclamation mark. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. This, that's enough. Wake up. I think he's, he's saying, he's exasperated here in this moment with his closest friends. And he says, do you understand what's going on around you? Do you understand that the Son of God, the very Christ, the one whose, whose entire life has spent loving God and loving others, hell-bent on those two things, is about to be brutally crucified by the people that he came to love and to serve? Do you understand this is happening right now? And his disciples, the ones closest to him, have fallen asleep. They've drifted off somewhere. Do you understand what's going on around you? Do you, do, you, do you understand? Do we understand? I'm not saying this like, like you don't understand, but I do. Do we understand how God is seeing the world around us right now? That this amazing country, and I'm not, I'm not getting political here, but this amazing country just seems to be drifting further and further from the moral guidelines that have been laid out in Scripture. And that many churches are drifting more and more into cynicism or into health and wealth where, where pursuit of happiness, you, 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 you. Drifting further and further away from an intimacy with Jesus the Christ. Do you understand what's happening around you in terms of the, 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 your friends and your family who are struggling through life without the hope of Jesus Christ. And sometimes, even though we might be aware of some of the things going on around us, we just fall asleep. We just, we just drift off, off to sleep. In verse 34 here in this story, at the beginning of the story, Jesus launches in the whole thing, he says, he says I'm, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. Overwhelmed, he says to his disciples. And then they fall asleep. They're no longer moved 
by Jesus' sorrow, by his words, by his presence. They're, no, they're, they're unmoved. Are you still moved by that which moves Jesus? Are you, are you movable? <laughs> are you movable in terms of what's going on around you to think, that really matters, and I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of changing that. Or has there been a part of you that has drifted into apathy where you just, you just don't care? It's just not even on your radar screen anymore. Like I said, the point this morning is, is not to solve this, is not to, boom, just blast us all out of apathy. The point this morning is to launch into this and be honest to say, is apathy a part of your life experience right now? And we'll see in the weeks to come, maybe that's a part of your relationships, part of your marriage perhaps. Is that a part of your relationship with Christ? Is that a part of your spiritual journey right now where it's just kind of drifting or it's a meaningless thing? Yeah, it's, it's kind of important. Just where are you? Let's just be honest about this as we, as we launch into this. Over the next six weeks or so, there's gonna be opportunities to address apathy and maybe if you are in a place of apathy, maybe it's time for you to pull over and try something new in your relationship. Try something new. We're going to be talking about, as Mark said, we're going to be talking about D groups, which are doing life together groups where uh, um, uh, a church that's kind of large can feel real small when you're with a group of 10 where they actually can know your name and maybe know some of your story and some of your stuff. It's a little bit dangerous. That's one way to pull over. Maybe there's some classes with the Wednesday night deal that's going, that are going to be helpful for you in your journey. Maybe there'll be an opportunity for you to serve that you haven't stepped into. Something different. Just try something different. Pull over. There may be a need to get a little jolt, a rejuvenation in your life and your relationship with Christ. That's what we're going to look at over the next six weeks. Let's be honest about where we are and about where God may want to take us. We're going to close here this morning with an opportunity for you to respond to God. If you're new with us, there are a number of different opportunities here, here in the room. You can come to the front to this cross. There are red pieces of paper where you can write something on that paper. You can do it anonymously or not and just nail it literally onto the cross and say, that's something I brought into this room and I don't want to take it out with me. I want to leave that here at the cross. Up here in the front and center is a place what we call unassisted prayer. You can come and spend time with God. No one's going to tap you on the shoulder. No one's going to ask if they can pray with you. It's just between you and God. Over here to your right, you can come and light a candle. Jesus is referred to as the light of the world. And so maybe you want to light a candle in wanting that light to shine in your life or in the life of someone you care about. And further over to the right, there'll be anointing. As outlined in uh, James 5, where if we come, the, the elders and the pastors of the church can anoint you with oil on your forehead for physical or, or spiritual or emotional healing. At the exit doors, there'll be assisted prayer. Folks on our prayer team would love to pray with you. There's communion available in the center for those who, are, who, are, who would um, call yourself a Christian, for those who are followers of Christ. If you want to take the bread and drink the the, the, the cup which represents the blood of Christ. Perhaps you want to sign the one of the 12 and you haven't had an opportunity to do that. You can do that or you can just, of course, stay where you are 
Just sing, write, think, pray, but don't fall asleep. May this be an apathy-free moment. Okay, sometimes when we do stuff in church, oh, we just, oh, I do that and I nail it to the cross or whatever. Enter into the moment. Don't let apathy be a part of the next 10 minutes. Okay, we can do this. Stay awake fully and encounter a God who loves you immeasurably. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are so patient with us that when we drift, when we fall asleep, there are times where you gently wake us up and and remind us who you are and maybe in the midst of terrible pain, you know how exactly to wake us up and say, I'm here, I'm here always. And God, you also understand our hearts and you understand that there are times where you need to shake us up a little bit Shake us and say, wake up. Do you understand what's going on around you? Do you understand what you might be missing out on if you continue to go down the path that you're on? Out of love, you wake us up. Father, come and wake us up in the way that you choose here this morning. We are fully attentive in these next 10 minutes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.